when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And good morning, it's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one on this Tuesday morning. Bernie takes your calls and comments at 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet us this morning at C103Cork or email jp at c103.ie. Coming up on the show, we're going to hear from uh, Lady Eileen. Now, Eileen joined us earlier this year and she was looking for a suitable property for herself as she was in a house that basically was sold. So she was becoming one of the hidden homeless we hear so much about across the country over the last few years. And as she was looking for a home in the inn, she did find a home. She's from North Cork. The home she found was across the border in Drumcolourher. But because she's in Cork, she's coming up a kind of a technicality really from Limerick about access, accessing the HAP scheme because she is from Cork. So we're going to hear her story later and how basically because of the red tape associated with the HAP scheme and indeed the two different councils that operate between Cork and Limerick, she is again finding herself without a place to live even though she has a home but she can't access that home until she can get access to the HAP scheme. We'll hear from Eileen very shortly on the programme. And also Ireland's GDP, we know it's on the up at the moment and the country on paper looks like it's in good shape, but Social Justice Ireland is still asking about the policies that continue to fail our health service, our home services, and more recently our broadband suppliers across the country. So with everything looking so good on paper, why then are we still in a failure situation when it comes to some of the three biggest issues affecting our country. If we are to move forward as a country, we need our health service. We need people to be able to live in their own homes, especially if we're increasing employment and you're bringing companies here to Ireland, to some of the big urban areas. And then with no broadband, we can't bring those big companies to the more rural areas who could provide employment there. 
and it would be welcome because people cannot access housing in the urban areas. So even though uh, things are looking good in some sense, they look bad in another sense. We're going to hear from Social Justice Ireland on what they feel can be done and what should be done with those particular policies. We'll speak with them this morning. And one in eight people admit to drink driving or being over the legal limit. Now, a lot of these people who were researched by the AA maybe did not know they were over the limit because they may have been at a function the night before they got up the next morning they felt fine they either drove to work or drove to the local shop or something but they actually were over the limit they had no intention of drink driving but they actually were Uh, we'll hear from that particular research carried out by the AA this morning we'll chat with them about that research and how this time of the year there is so many functions on and people do go to functions on a Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday some staff parties I'm sure if you are working and you have a staff party it may be falling on a Wednesday or a Thursday and that then does affect you the next morning if you have to go back into work for a certain time if you don't have public transport if a taxi service isn't available to you, well, your only way to work really isn't it uh, to get the, into the car, but then you will find yourself over the limit, depending on the intake of alcohol, that is, of course. And we're also going to hear about fundraisers that are taking place at the moment across many areas of Cork. And this is to bring Christmas to the direct provision centres that are located in so many areas here in Cork. And again, I think these centres are very much in the limelight because of the current TV series on RTE taken down. It's showing an insight to what is happening in those direct provision centres. We've heard about them before. I think this is the first programme that actually, on a kind of a drama scale, has shown what can be going on and what life is like living in direct provision. So we'll hear uh, from those people that are fundraising for these direct provision centres to bring Christmas to those who are living in these particular centres. The latest fundraiser is for those in Drashan Castle in Mill Street. And also we'll continue our discussion on self-harm. Joe Heffin and our regular councillor joining us after midday. So your calls and comments are welcome. 1850 333103. Bernie takes your calls this morning or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and you can email this morning jp at c103.ie So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone And so this is Christmas
Bit of festive cheer for a Tuesday morning. John Lennon, happy Christmas at C103. And might not be a happy Christmas for some ministers because uh, this was a meeting that was held yesterday and ministers have lobbied fina- uh, Finance Minister Pascal Dunahoo and the reason they're lobbying him is for extra expenses to cover their hotel bills. Now, you might describe this yourself as being out of touch uh, for those ministers, but a group of eight junior ministers did meet with the finance minister and they were trying to convince him that they are being treated unfairly in comparison to ordinary TDs because backbench TDs from outside Dublin, they're entitled to claim between 25,000 and 34,000 in unvouched travel and accommodation expenses, but the ministers are not allowed to vouch for this. And they're looking basically, and, and one of the ministers was speaking to the Irish Independent and he is looking uh, he's currently paying 500 euros a week he says to stay in the capital while the doll is sitting and he's looking for something in payback from this by way of the government by way of maybe unvouched expenses uh, but there's a lot of people unhappy with this. A lot of people are saying, well, maybe they should look at the average worker who is paying €2,000 a month to rent. They can't afford to buy a house and yet they're being asked to fork out for property tax for this, that and the other thing. Uh, Or maybe not even property tax. If they're renting, they can't pay property tax, but they're paying fees uh, that would hold an upgrade to the estate they're living in. Uh, They could be paying for parking permits. They're paying to get to and from work. They're paying all these expenses and they get nothing. Yet these ministers are looking for more vouched or unvouched expenses so they can stay in Dublin. So uh, even though they're asking for this, a lot of people uh, feel that they're out of touch and these are people, their fellow colleagues in the Dáil have come out and said they are out of touch because you you have certain TDs out there who were getting the unvouched expenses, especially those backbenchers TDs from outside of Dublin. Uh, but the ministers then, I presume, on a higher wage and they also want something in place for them like that. Uh, how do you feel about this? Do you agree with those who feel uh, that they need to look at the average worker who's paying a lot of month, for, a lot of rent a month and then cannot afford to save to buy a home? And do you feel... As some people are saying within the doll that these ministers are out of touch. Your views on that are welcome. Let us know what you think of that. Looking for more money, more of your money, taxpayers' money, so they can stay in B&Bs or hotels in Dublin uh, during the actual Doyle sit- sitting and uh, the time they sit or the time they stay, by the way, even though the money they're looking for will be on top of the wages they get. Uh, so that would be another expense and that expense paid by you the taxpayer anyhow your views welcome on that uh, mixed views on that within the doll people feel uh, that they've been out of touch and others want that particular money let us know 1850 lines open Bernie taking your comments this morning or indeed you can text or whatsApp 0862103103 and David Attenborough he has come out yesterday and he has not only blasted the US President Donald Trump, he's also uh, hit others leaders across the world over their attitude to climate change because the television legend has warned that the collapse of civilization is on the horizon due to the increase in greenhouse gas emissions and he said we need to look at this and because he created and made the Blue Planet programme and Blue Planet 2 which was a huge TV hit, uh, he's seen firsthand the changes that Earth is coming under and the pressure Earth is coming under from man-made 
materials and from extra smoke, extra gases being released into the atmosphere. It is causing, uh, we, uh, he's saying climate change. Some people don't agree with climate change. Some people feel there's no climate change. Uh, but he's saying that in the Arctic and other areas of the world, they are seeing huge effects and a huge effects in a negative way to their environment. So uh, something that a lot of people are looking at at the moment when it comes to the environment and when it comes to us all being green, he has warned leaders uh, that they really need to pull up their socks and uh, take advantage of what is there now with people who want to get involved and want to raise awareness of this before it's too late. And I just spotted this story this morning in one of the papers and it's sad to think that thieves out there uh, would go after a vulnerable family. This is the family of a two-year-old girl and it's up in County Louth and they're fundraising uh, for their young girl for life-changing surgery and they have been fundraising online and they haven't really gone public about this because they're getting good reaction themselves but they've had to go public because of the fact that their fundraising is online I presume via GoFundMe or one of those online sites Uh, thieves are now trying to break into their home. Twice in the last number of weeks, thieves have tried to break into their home. The family have come out and they've said they've had a massive response to their appeal for their daughter for her life-changing surgery. They're after raising, I think at the moment, over around €100,000 and they might need to raise more. But because of the fact that thieves are breaking into their home they've had to go public and say we do not have the money in our home as you will know if you are ever donating online the money will go directly to that particular family's bank account so there's actually no physical cash in the home but these thieves weren't aware of that and they've had two attempted break-ins over the last number of weeks because thieves in the area became aware of the fundraising by the family and because of that particular fundraising uh, they decided to break into the home. I mean, how low can you go when you have a young child who desperately needs surgery and is uh, going along to face this life-changing surgery, which is tough enough for the family at the moment, tough enough to have to fundraise, and then these guys hear about it, they obviously saw it online, and they thought anyhow, because money was being raised, uh, that the money would be kept in the home. Obviously it's not. It's in a bank account. They didn't know that. And they still tried to break into their home. How wrong is that anyhow? It just shows how low people will go to get money these days for whatever means they need to get it. Uh, 1850 333 103. Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Eileen joins us on the comment line next just discussing her latest situation. Trying to get a home. Has the home more or less secured? Uh, but falls between two stools, basically, between Limerick and Cork Councils. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. We often hear on the programme about the hidden homeless. Well, earlier this year, Eileen joined us on the comment line. She was looking for a property in the North Cork area. After some time, she did find property. It was Indrum Collarher. And all was going fine until Alina joins me because she seems to have found herself caught up with what is red tape within our systems to do with the councils. Good morning to you, Eileen. Hi, John Paul. And thank you for joining us this morning. So, Eileen, your new home was due to be in Drumcolourher and everything was going OK. Uh, but for you to access that particular house in Drumcolourher, you needed to have and be on the HAP scheme. Uh, but that then you found yourself falling between two councils. Just explain what's happening there at the moment because you are, I presume, still entitled to that particular house in Drumcolourher. The, the, the file was reopened so that I could resubmit an application. Um, the whole process is everybody keeps telling me it's because I'm from County Cork. 
Um, I go in through uh, homeless section. Uh, my address is homeless section. But what happened was when I got my form signed for the HEP in Kilmallock, they never stamped at Kilmallock, so they said I had no ties to Limerick. That's so, their excuse for not giving me half. And you need the half. Just explain the reason why you do need the half for this particular home in Drumcolour. Because is it that you have a part-time job at the moment, but you, you need the half to it's, show... It's not. They said, uh, re- they, they said, I can pay for the rent because of a part-time job. Yeah. But they said, if I lost my job or I went on the pension, because that's coming up not too soon, but... <laughs> um, that I wouldn't be able to afford the house on my pension or on social welfare, I would need the HAP already approved before I went in. And the HAP was turned down because I'm from I'm from County Cork. And uh, because I had no address, then I got cut off social welfare. I had no money for eight weeks. I was practically living out, well, I've been living out of my car for four months, but I was living in my car for eight weeks. Um I went to a counsellor, I went to a TD, they're resubmitting the applications I used to go back to, homeless action with, with um, documents. And I was told, well, you know everything you did up to now is in County Cork, don't you? And I said, I know. Like, why that should be a... So, like, the reason I wanted to tell you this was because there was a lady on June and she said they're moving people to Limerick from Cork. They're going to be left like I am. Yeah, this was you Councillor know? June Murphy on with us earlier, whereby there was okay, problems yes, in North I Cork. Never got, I never got her last name. I just heard the end of the interview. Yeah, there was a problem, uh, for, like yourself, in areas of North Cork, people unable to find housing. And then there was housing in nearby Limerick. And because of that, they were able, to, they were hoping to move people uh, from areas of North Cork, maybe Mitchellstown, Charleville, those areas to Limerick. Uh, but mm-hmm. now you're saying for those people to heed the warning, because you have tried that. You had a home secured in Drumcollar her, uh, but you cannot get the HAP and they, they keep telling you it's because you're from Cork. Can that change? I mean, are, are they going to relook at this and say, okay, I know you're from Cork, but surely it doesn't make a difference where you're from. You're, you're still Irish and you should be able to get the HAP uh, in another county. Obviously, it's to do with paperwork and it's to do with the, the HAP for each county is administered by the local authority. But is there any way of overlooking that? I mean, you mentioned no. there someone never stamped something in, in Kilmallock. If in that Kilmallock, was If that I... was stamped, would that make a difference? That would have made a difference because uh, I had a lady on the phone on the day I had to go get the form and um, she said that I had no claim to Limerick and I said, but you're my socialist in Limerick. And she said it wasn't stamped on the form. So when I approached the social, they told me they couldn't give me a letter to state that I, my social was in Kilmallock for a year. They couldn't give me that because their excuse was they didn't know me. That's how I was so long on the, like on the, the actual homeless, homeless. And they you didn't know? know you. Was that because you you weren't calling into the office? You were just getting it directly yes, to like, the I account. Get, is I it? get I get dockets every month. I yeah. get them signed and I put them back in through the mailbox. So that you don't need so to be I calling would, in. I would never see them, but when you put your card into the computer, it tells you everything there is to know. Yeah. And why, though, then, did they cut you off social welfare? How did that come I about? I had no address. When I went into Newcastle West, it was the address in Drumcolour I was using. Yeah. So I was on suspension until that housing sent the letter through. And as soon as HAP got turned down, social welfare already knew. 
and I got disconnected and it took me eight weeks to get it back on again. Even though That's they why. knew you were looking for half, they knew you had the home, they still cut you yes, off. cut me off. And here's another thing for anybody that gets cut off. You don't get your your extra payment when it comes this time of the year once you're cut off. The bonus. Yeah. And you slept in your car, you are saying, for eight weeks. No money. Um, as far as the social welfare was concerned, I had 36 euros a week. That's what I earned for the eight weeks. And I had nobody. Nobody said, have a bed and breakfast. Nobody said, Eileen, if you go over there, there's maybe people that can help you. Not a single person. And when I got really down, I mean, let me tell you, thoughts run through your head because you have to put up with the shame. Everybody else is shamed. You're homeless and everybody else is shamed. And when the thoughts go bad, I, I did. And you know where I thought about. And have you any family, Aline, or anybody oh, to turn to? I have plenty family, but I have no place to call my own the same yeah. as I did six months ago. But you're, you're booking places. Can I stay with you tonight? Can I stay with you tomorrow night so that you're not under people's feet the whole time? I have six couches that I've been sleeping on, we'll say, for the last two months. So you're going between your car and then you're going between friends and family's couches? The, I don't sleep in the car anymore. You don't? Because, um, no, the, uh, I got given out. Um, they get very upset enough. I sleep in the car, my family and my friends. And they're right. You, if you, if someone yes. is offering you a couch or a bed for the night, you know, oh, don't yes, be ashamed yes. and take oh, it from no, them. No, yeah. no, no. But it's like I'm down to that now. I'm because four months ago I told you I didn't want to put a pressure on anybody back then in case this went on for a while, because now I need everybody. And the part-time job you you had is that still there for you? Is the, is the job still gone? There. It's still there. And yeah. you are you still working in that particular job in yes. that role? So you have an income coming from that at least anyhow now for yourself? Yes. But you're still in the situation whereby you can't get the house until Limerick County Council allow you to avail of the HAP scheme. And like I said, four months on, I have an address that I can't use. So where are you now, Eileen? Are you still staying with friends? Are you are you couch surfing? It's all couch surfing because you you can't do much of this because if I if I go and there was um, Indram Colour, there was a room going for sixty euros a month. I could afford that. And I couldn't apply for it because if I signed a contract, I wouldn't, mightn't be let out of it. And then you might lose your, your home that, uh, that, that you have yeah. secured, yeah. So at the moment, you're just in a situation where, as I mentioned earlier, you are one of the hidden homeless. You don't have a home. You're staying with friends and, and you're doing bits and pieces during the day, I presume, then in your car as well. Uh, what you really need is for someone within Limerick County Council to basically allow you to go on their HAP scheme because you, I presume here in Cork you were on it you were allowed it in Cork No I never I've ne- see this is the whole thing I never had HAP You never had it but, it but if you were anything. but if you were going to be on it here in Cork there wouldn't be an issue because you are from Cork so there shouldn't be an issue of you getting on the HAP scheme in Cork But if 
I had approved, if because the, uh, the, the TD asked me that, mm. and I said if I got approved in Cork, I wouldn't be entitled to the house in Limerick. Yeah, that's the thing. But but at least you, you sh- if you are able to be approved in Cork, then there's no reason why you cannot get approved in Limerick. It will be the same rules, just carried out by a different local authority. So you need to you need for someone basically in Limerick to approve you for HAP. And is there any Limerick TDs, any Limerick councillors that you've been on to that have that you've spoken uh, to on this outside of Cork? It's the Limerick TD. He had um, he sent a representation to the account yeah. when I first went to him. And when I went back the second time, he had to call Limerick County Council. They'd already closed it out on me. He asked them to reopen it. So, like I said, you sent representation to Limerick County Council and they still just closed the account. That's what I mean to them. Doesn't it show, Eileen, the red tape that we have, though, in this country, that, uh, for example... Um, Like, we put out on social media ages back when I was in the car, if Mm. anybody in the county of Limerick could give me an address, just couch surfing for a while to get my social back on. There must be hundreds of people surfing in, in Limerick, never mind Cork, every place. But it's like, once you get caught up, like people on the street have no social welfare coming in. The lady that was living in that went into the guard barracks, everybody spoke about how much money she had with six kids. If she was living in the guard barracks, she had no money. And if she was cut off, she will get no um, double payments from the government today. So anything she was counting on, she's losing out for Christmas as well. You lose out your, you lose out your whole time. You can't get it back because they tell you you've no address. This is what the social tells you. There isn't a, a community welfare officer in the whole of Limerick that has spoken to me. They won't touch me. Because you're homeless, because you don't have an yes, address. And everybody you talk to, you can't pick up the phone and say, what's happening? They'll call you when they hear something. That's where you're left. So you still remain just, without the social? No, I have my social you, back on. You've that back, but, but you still remain without... Have you, have you not got the bonuses? That, that won't be coming oh, to you, I do you feel? I won't get the bonus. Because, because you were I cut off broke, at the time. Because yeah. I broke off, because I had no hope. So you're down that money, you have your social back, but the main thing here is now you have that back, but you still can't get access to the HAP. So you need someone, basically, Limerick County Council, to, to sign off uh, on you when you are entitled to the HAP. If you were in Cork, if it was a Cork situation, basically you'd have it. It's because you're from Cork and your house is in Limerick, you cannot access uh, the HAP scheme, which is a very, very strange situation. I know they're administered by different councils, but it's strange to think that t- one of the councils can't speak to the other one and say, yeah, uh, that should be okay. She will be entitled to it here. You can access that. It's just coming down to where you're from, which is very strange because, you know, it, it's the one social, country. It's, but to my socialism, County Limerick. Yeah, so which is making it more. Go, yes, <laughs> like where that. else would I go for HAP? Only two County Limerick. Exactly. And, they, and they and haven't it, come back to you when you said that to them, that they can't get that point, no, can they? No, Four, like I'm four weeks now with the, uh, the I chased down the the farmers myself mm. because it's like I can't keep I'm trying to they, be someplace for Christmas that's that's what I want to be you want your home for Christmas yes because um, I think my son mightn't be too keen in the car in the homeless shelter when he comes home for the holidays and where is your son living in England and he's coming home for Christmas yes it is my, my turn to have Christmas this year. And has he a family? Is he young? No, he just him and his partner. And both are coming over and you want them to be able to come to your home in Drumcolour and you want to be able to cook Christmas dinner and have a nice Christmas. It's 
not much to ask for. It's not. Especially when you already have the address. And you have the house security just waiting on HAP. If you, if Limerick County Council came along today or tomorrow and said, yes, you're approved for HAP, uh, the letter will be coming out in, in the next week, would you then get the keys for your home straight away? I hope so. All right, well, we need that to happen. So basically we need uh, Limerick County Council to see if they can uh, push on this. Uh, I mean, if you, again, you are entitled to HAP, uh, that's been made clear. You just need someone in Limerick County Council uh, to process this even though you are from Cork, I don't really see what the big deal is when you're, everything you do is in County Limerick. You're just yes. born and raised in Cork. Uh, and again, where you're from in Cork is very near County Limerick anyhow. So I don't know if there's any exceptions for that. It seems not. Uh, Eileen, leave it with us. We will get on to Cork County or Limerick County Council for you. Uh, Bernie will work on that. If there's anybody in the area who has been in a situation like Eileen, how did you overcome this? Maybe any core councillors listening or Limerick even, can you help? Can you give us some idea of what we can do to push this for Eileen? As you said, son coming home for Christmas, you want to have the Christmas tree up, you want a turkey and ham or whatever on the table and celebrate it on your home or in your home in Drumcolour rather than uh, living in a car or, or, or celebrating with another family in their home. Okay, not too much to ask for, Aline, at all. Not too much. And especially no. when you're entitled. And you're, you, mean, you have a job as well, which is the other thing. You are trying to get everything back on track. You have a part-time job. So you're doing everything by the book and you're doing everything the best you can. But still, and you're being pushed back. And everybody else's instructions. That's all. <laughs> this all started with a phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, I'll leave yeah. it with us. Hopefully, someone will see since here in the next week or so and we'll be able to help you with this. We'll stay in touch, Alina, okay? And hopefully, uh, you will be in your home for Christmas. Stay with us hey. and we'll see what we can do for you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Eileen. Uh, that's Eileen there. Uh, well, in Limerick at the moment, uh, what a situation to be in. Talk about cop between two councils uh, entitled to HAP. If she was in Cork, she'd have it. Uh, but her, she's from Cork. She gets her social welfare in Limerick. Her job's in Limerick. Her home will be in Limerick. Uh, she has a home secured, but cannot get access to this particular home because she needs the HAP scheme as security. But she can't get the HAP scheme because Limerick County Council are telling her, no, you're from Cork. We can't have you on the Limerick HAP system. Uh, but no one is seemingly getting that. Everything she does is at Limerick. She's just from Cork. Uh, and where she's from in Cork is very near the border to Limerick as well. Anyhow, maybe you have been in that situation or someone knows what we can do for Eileen. Uh, let us know if you have any ideas for us and for Eileen. 1850-333-103. All she wants is to be in her home for Christmas and have her son coming back and have a family meal around a kitchen table and uh, not in a car or not in someone else's home where they feel you know, maybe they and and they probably are not because they're friends, but they feel they're imposing. If you can help, let us know. Or maybe you have been in that situation. Text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And after hearing that, what we're discussing next kind of ties in because the GDP is on the up in this country. And if you look at Ireland on paper at the moment, you will see that yeah, everything is going well. Ireland looks in good shape, but. Social Justice Ireland is asking about our policies when it comes to our health service, our home services and indeed our broadband supply, which has been in the news a lot lately. Uh, We'll discuss that with them next. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
across Cork City and County. This is Cork Today on C103. Now we are aware our GDP is growing at the moment. Unemployment is on the low and our population is rising. So Ireland looks good at the moment from a position if you're looking on paper. But then what about our position of our hospitals waiting lists on the up? People finding it hard to purchase a home in areas they work in and the lack of broadband infrastructure. How is all this going to impact on a growing Ireland? Ireland. We heard there a few minutes ago from Eileen, uh, who has a home secured but cannot get HAP. And uh, because of that, she's finding herself couch surfing and indeed living in her car for a time. And she has a part time job. So that shows the reality of what is happening on the ground. Michelle Murphy joins me from Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you, Michelle. Good morning, John Paul. And Michelle, first of all, I mentioned there and I was speaking with Eileen and you might have heard me saying that she yeah. does live in a car and she has a part-time job and she's couch surfing now. She has a house secured, waiting on the HAP. When, I, when it comes to housing in your report here, this just shows what is going on on the ground when it comes to social housing. And for people who won't or can access social housing but have a good job, they can't afford their own home. So even though on paper everything looks well and looks good, it isn't that fantastic on the ground really, isn't it? People are struggling to access the basic necessity of a house. They're struggling hugely and Ireland is completely failing in terms of delivering um, affordable homes for people. As you highlighted there, um, despite uh, all the money we throw at the housing budget, we're still relying on the private sector to deliver homes, whereas what government needs to do is increase the construction of social and affordable housing for people. It's not just those people on the social housing waiting list. There's about 110,000 families. Um, it's all those people on who have jobs, on low and middle and sometimes generally fairly high incomes who cannot even afford their rent, never mind going to a bank to get a mortgage to buy a home because the housing system we have in this country are broken. You mentioned there about the housing assistance payments and... Um, uh, the previous the person Eileen who you know cannot access this and despite the fact that she's in employment now she you know she has having huge difficulty in finding accommodation and that's not an isolated case that's replicated across the country and we're really at crisis point here in terms of housing in it there seems to be complete inertia at um the government level in terms of actually for the government to go and build affordable homes for people. Um, we had a report last week where um, a development owned by Care Homes in Dublin where the, the rent on apartments is €3,300 a month. And this isn't isolated to Dublin, this problem. It's, it's now across the country, Cork, Galway, Limerick, Waterford. Rents are rising because there aren't enough houses for people and um, obviously those on higher incomes can afford the rent, rents are being driven up and then you have people who are entitled to the housing assistance payment which more often than not landlords won't accept and even then they still have to top this up and it puts huge pressure on people and on their incomes and it leads to a huge drop in people's standards of living. And the social housing you mentioned there for the state to build, would you recommend something whereby we had previously, some would say we're going back to making mistakes of the 70s and 80s then pushing everybody who cannot afford a home in social housing into one area or would you go with the existing model of private developers who are building uh, housing estates and then the council would be entitled to so many homes in that particular estate? Well, uh, that current policy hasn't worked and isn't working because what happened previously was 
that uh, the councils were bought out of that percentage more often than not. Um, so that they didn't actually they uh, they received funding rather than the units themselves. What we're proposing is. Uh, increased construction of social and low-cost homes and a cost rental model being developed. So it's not just social housing. These homes are for everybody and the cost rental model, the model is developed based on the income of the household. So you would have a large mix of uh, families and individuals um, in these areas. And you also look at, have, have to look at the type of unit you develop. So you need to be able to accommodate older people, families, perhaps people with a disability. So you have to build units that can be adapted over time as well. Um, for example, for a single person as they age and perhaps they have a mobility issue. So these are all the things that we need to think about and we need to plan for. Um, and previous policy, I mean, it hasn't worked and that's why we're in the situation that we're in now and we really need to look at what caused this problem and how do we address this and how do we ensure that, and, you know, a country which has uh, record levels of employment and economic growth can provide the basic um, human right of a home for people who uh, are in need of accommodation because people cannot find accommodation across the country and that's not only affecting us socially it's also affecting us economically because if companies are looking to locate here um, where are their worker, workers going to live and it puts pressure on wages because as rents rise um, wages uh, need to rise in order for people to be able to afford the rent yeah, and from uh, one side of the infrastructure to another, we'll go from housing to health. Mm-hmm. And even though our health service, once you're in the system, it's very good. Yes. It's accessing the system. That's the big problem. There's been a number of initiatives being announced from the HSC, yes. also the government with the uh, Slaunter Care Strategy. Yes. Are all these enough, though, when you look at the waiting list over the years? I think currently is it over 700,000 yes. people on waiting lists. And then once you get into the hospital, we have an issue now where we have bugs in hospitals and they're yes. uh, making either patients are being told to go home early after an operation or a procedure or else they get very ill while yeah. within the hospital system. Yeah, so uh, we've two problems there. We've got record levels on waiting lists and now, then we also have a really high bed occupancy rate in terms of our hospitals. It's nearly 95%, which is 20 percentage points higher than other countries in the OECD. And what this means is that uh, people are stuck in those beds because there's nowhere for them to go. We don't have the step-down care, the community care, and the longer you stay in a hospital bed after a procedure, for example, there's an increased risk, obviously, of infection, as you mentioned, or, for example, a fall or another adverse event. And the other problem you have, then, is that you don't have beds available for unforeseen circumstances or adverse weather conditions, for example. So, um what we need to do is look again at the causes and you mentioned Slauncher Care there which you know, was a cro- has cross party support, it's an ec- excellent strategy but it hasn't been, the implementation of this has not been resourced, there was an announcement in the budget but it's not nearly enough to fully implement this strategy so you need to fully implement the Slauncher Care strategy you need to develop those primary care networks so we don't direct everybody to the acute hospital system so that people can be cared for in their community through those primary care networks and if they do need to go for a procedure that there's step down care available for them then so they don't need to stay in hospital they can come out of hospital receive whatever care they need in their community if for example if you're an older person you should have a statutory right to home care services for example so these are the sort of things that you need to put money into because once you put money into those things you'll take all the pressure off the hospital system you'll see a reduction in the waiting list you'll see a reduction in the number of people on trolleys and 
ultimately what it will lead to uh, if you do it properly over a period of time you'll you'll end up spending less on your healthcare service because the hospital system is the really expensive part of it but if you put the money into community care and primary care networks you deliver far greater value for money and very briefly we're just going to news at 11 yeah. but briefly is broadband and that's a big issue at the moment and not too yeah. sure will this ever be sorted but the one thing listening to you there about housing and yeah. about the hospital situation yeah. Michelle we have Dublin which is more or less eating itself up yeah. people want maybe a job there but no if they move to Dublin uh, they'll be living in either Kildare or Wicklow or Meath yeah. and they find the journeys from their friends up there is too much to get into the city centre uh, so Dublin can become uh, packed Cork is going to become very similar so yeah. maybe will Galway and other other cities may thrive in that like Limerick of Waterford why not then put everybody into more rural areas which is a good idea but then no broadband so that needs to be looked at as well to take pressure off our cities otherwise Ireland is just going to stop Absolutely absolutely as you said yourself Dublin is at breaking point and the same thing is going to be replicated across the country because we don't have the infrastructure to deal with it all of our policies on rural and regional development are based on the premise that there is broadband if we don't roll out broadband um, rural Ireland is you know it's just going to die. That's the reality. You won't be able to maintain, retain young people there. People won't be able to run a business. People won't even be able to access basic services. So if you want to attract businesses, if you want to enable people to set up their own businesses, if you want to enable people to be able to live in areas that they want to live, areas that they were born, they grew up in, you need to roll out broadband. The teacher says it's his uh, number one priority. It's a national priority. Well, we'll see this time next year whether it is a national priority or not and whether or not the government has actually begun to roll out broadband to those half a million homes that don't have it. Yeah, we'll see what happens because that would make a difference and maybe free up areas in urban areas like Cork, Dublin, Galway and others. a huge difference huge and to people's yeah. quality of life. That's the big thing and that's what people are missing, especially yeah. in the cities at the moment if you're commuting anywhere it could be anywhere in the country but if you're commuting to an urban area uh, your, your quality of life is gone you could be two hours on top of your work day anyhow Michelle I appreciate you taking time out to talk to us this morning that's Michelle Murphy there from Social Justice Ireland your views on that welcome 1850 333103 This is Court Today Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Court's greatest hits C103 Christmas Eve in the drunk tank an old man said to me won't see another one and then he sang a song the rare old mountain dew I turned my face away Dreamed about you Got on the lucky one Came in like ten to one I've got a feeling This year's for me and you So happy Christmas I love you baby I can see a better time When all our dreams come true
The Pogues with Kirsty McCall, Fairy Tale of New York at C103. One of the big Christmas songs every year, and I'm sure if you have a Christmas party or if you're just spending time with family on Christmas Day, you'll be spinning that one yourself. It is one of the biggest ones, along with a few more, we'll be playing over the course of a few weeks here on Cork Today. And what we always do on the Christmas Eve edition of the show, and indeed on the week leading up to Christmas, but also. On the Christmas Eve edition, we'll play as many as the songs that you would like to hear on that particular show. And not always the songs you hear on the radio. We'll be playing hymns and other Christmas songs that you don't hear a lot of. And we'll be doing that on Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve edition of the Cork Today show. And also on the run-up to Christmas itself. So if there is a particular Christmas song that you would like to hear, let us know. Get in contact with us and we will try and fit that and play that for you on the lead-up to Christmas here on this particular show. Now, a lot of emails 
email us in on various issues I'll get to those shortly but just a reaction to our chat with Eileen who joined us earlier on in the show and Eileen was in a situation whereby uh, she was homeless and then she uh, found a property in Drumcolour so she decided to go for that and everything was okay she has a part-time job but for her to secure that particular property she would need to have the HAP scheme which is the uh, housing assistance payment so uh, she would be entitled to that here in Cork so no reason why not have that as well in Limerick she applied for it in Limerick but basically was told no can't have it because she ain't from Limerick she's from Cork uh, so she then faced a stumbling block whereby she couldn't access the HAP scheme which means she can't get access to her new home and because of the fact that she was in uh, not even in a housing accommodation she was in with a housing charity uh, for a point her social welfare was cut off because she had no address anyhow her social welfare back Uh, because it was cut off she lost her Christmas bonus but she does have her social welfare back now at least in the meantime though she is living with friends between houses at one point in her car but what she really wants for Christmas and hearing the Christmas songs we're playing this morning what she really wants is to be in that home in Drumcolour all that needs for that to happen is for Limerick County Council to approve her for HAP which if that is done in the next week or so she then can live in the home and Drumcolour her. But more importantly for her, her son is in England. He's living there. Uh, he's coming home for Christmas with his partner. So if he comes home to his mother, she wants to be able to have him stay in her home, Christmas dinner, you know, the usual Christmas trimmings that a lot of people will be doing this year. Uh, but that won't happen until Limerick County Council pay HAP. And the reason Limerick County Council won't pay the HAP uh, is because she's from Cork even though she's in the Charnival area and not too far away from Limerick but still they won't uh, approve her for HAP it's only approval because she has the part-time job it's just that if the job ever went from her that she would have HAP to make the shortfall for the uh, for the actual property in Drumcolour so it's it's just approval for HAP she needs and she can't get that at the moment from Limerick County Council mainly because she's falling between two councils Cork and Limerick and we've been looking for advice on this and a lot of people have been in touch so thank you for that we've also got on to Limerick County Council and making them aware of the situation to see if they can help us with this and if they can speed this up because if she gets approval before Christmas then she can be in her home and she can have her wish of her family around her in her own home at Christmas and as she said herself that's not a lot to ask for and indeed it's not a lot to ask for uh, Mary Inless Carroll was in a similar problem and in a similar situation to Aileen she said she went to the local housing officer in Lakela and they were brilliant she was homeless for four months but now she is okay and everything has worked out so we'll pass on all these ideas uh, by the way to Aileen as well but Mary thank you for that on uh, to Bernie 1850 333 103 and Phil on text saying morning JP listening to this lady why in God's name is everybody making life so hard for us when we are trying to do our bloody best what does it matter if a person is born in Limerick or in Cork can people lighten up a small bit please for the sake of this particular lady give her a Christmas uh, allow her uh, and get her approval for HAP uh, says Phil on text 0862 103 103 
And a lot of people uh, like Phil uh, coming in with the same argument and the same comments saying, uh, why can they just not accept that she's entitled to this? And just because she's from a different county, just to prove this so she can have a home for Christmas. Uh, hi to Geraldine, also to John and Kieran as well. And, and load a lot of other people in uh, with a similar comment for this. Just can't make out why uh, when someone is just looking for approval, they can't even get that. And what a situation for Aline to be in then. Couch surfing, going between houses. At one point, uh, living in her car. Thanks for that, bad. Anyhow, uh, uh, let us know. Maybe like others that have contacted us this morning, you have been in a situation like that. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. And I spoke about broadband there briefly. And it was with Social Justice Ireland. And there's been a big drama over the last few weeks regarding broadband. And the reason that is, is all to do with the broadband scheme, the national broadband scheme for rural areas, which still isn't really rolled out. And a lot of question marks over that. But uh, the main thing here is if there was broadband in rural areas, in rural towns, it would take the pressure off urban areas. For example, Cork and Dublin. Dublin eating itself up at the moment if you get a job in Dublin, best of luck trying to find accommodation. And if you want to buy a house, if you're at an age where you have a job in Dublin and you want to buy a house, you probably will be commuting in uh, from the outer areas of Kildare, of Meath and those type areas. Yes, it happens in other major cities across the world, but it's our infrastructure is incorrect because a lot of people don't have the correct public transport to get in uh, to the city centre. Anyhow, with all of that in mind, uh, there is a big campaign to get broadband in areas where we can take the pressure off uh, the big cities and have big towns creating big employment as well. And focusing and moving people to those particular areas. Anyhow, uh, one question though from Tim on this when we're talking about broadband, he says how did the likes of Tony O'Reilly, Ben Dunn and JP McManus get on without broadband? Is it a craze or is it just an excuse, says Tim on text. Well he could say at different times Tim and a lot of the work nowadays is done by broadband, email, whatever you access, but has he a point? Uh, how did others in the past get on and they never had broadband but still they made their millions so thank you Tim for that and Heidi on WhatsApp when we were speaking earlier regarding the ministers who are lobbying Pascal Dunyahu for extra expenses and why are they doing this? Well they how well they've been described first of all as being out of touch but they are looking for more money because when they are spending their nights in Dublin when the Doyle isn't sitting they're spending up to 500 euros a week in the capital spending it on hotel or B&B rooms as they stay overnight because the work is being carried out in the Doyle so these eight junior ministers feel that the finance minister uh, is treating them unfairly comparison to other TDs in the Doyle mainly backbench TDs from outside of Dublin who were entitled to 25,000 to 35,000 in unvouched travel and accommodation expenses annually but they are not ministers so the ministers are not entitled to that and they feel that when they are travelling to Dublin even though they're on a big wage they're eating into their salary because they must spend their own money to stay in Dublin and a lot of people have been on of course saying well those ministers who were on a lot more than the average wage should be looking at the average worker who is paying from 1,000 to 2,000 euros for renting in Dublin also trying to save for a house, cannot afford to buy a house in the area 
and they will be moving far, far away from Dublin to purchase a particular house. But they don't have this luxury that the ministers are looking for and they don't have the big salary those ministers are on. Uh, so by raising this, not a lot of sympathy for these particular ministers and not only here on phone and text, also not a lot of sympathy in the Doyle as well and in Leinster House. A lot of people coming out saying they are out of touch and they must realise what's going on in our cities at the moment and just in general in the country. People cannot afford to to get what they want if these ministers want more money to pay for their hotel rooms in Dublin. Well, a lot of reaction to this. Heidi, first of all, saying, Morning, JP. You ask about more money for the TDs and ministers. Well, maybe it's time to say, no, you are not getting pay rises. So get in with the real world like the rest of us. We need to look also at what this government is doing, what is happening in the likes of France because of hikes and taxes. It was said in the media reports in France that in the south of France, on a radio show there, that a guy phoned in and he was in tears. He said, he could pay no more what the government was asking them to do regarding taxes. He said a few years ago, the French government asked people and encouraged people to buy diesel cars to help the car industry in France. So this particular man did this. And then he said they made it harder to get the the diesel cars through the MOT in France. And now they're hiking the fuels for diesel cars in France. And then he says they're punishing us for making all these decisions that they asked us to do And people, he says, in France, like this person, just can't pay any more. So, Heidi's saying, maybe our government should watch as people have had enough here too. And if you look at the coverage coming in from parts of France and Belgium, uh, a lot of writing going on there at the moment, a lot of uh, fighting for other issues as well, but a lot of it has been to do with the hikes in taxes and the hikes in fuel. And they're just sick of it in the likes of France and Belgium. And what that story that Heidi is telling us there, it is true. And it's, I suppose that person that rang that particular show in the south of France is what a lot of people are feeling in France at the moment, that they have invested in diesel cars as they were told to do so. Now diesel prices have gone up in France and Belgium. They're increasing taxes and they just can't pay any more. So when it comes to those TDs, tell them no. Be happy with your wages and leave it at that. You're not getting any more vouched or unvouched expenses. Thank you, Heidi, for that. A lot of people on with the same comment as Heidi. And speaking of diesel and driving around over the last few days, have you noticed diesel prices have increased and in some places are nearly on par with petrol prices? You could see petrol at 140 and diesel, uh, or sorry, you could see petrol at 142 maybe, but diesel could be 140 or thereabouts. There could be only two or three cents in the difference between petrol and diesel, whereas before you could have 10, 12 cents. I know it's all to do with various reasons over the last while and we'll always go back to the fact that it is to do uh, with the price of uh, a barrel of oil. But are you noticing that diesel and petrol prices in the last few days especially only two to three cents if not even less between them let me know if that is something you have spotted across the county 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 we are speaking with the AA shortly uh, I might ask them about that as well uh, and the reasoning behind that and why it's getting so tight and this is something that we'll see more of uh, I, I know changes have been made in the budget and all of that but is that another indicator to get people away from driving diesel even though the majority of us do because it's cheaper to run diesel uh, than any other type of car at the moment depending where you are especially in areas outside of cities and we will be discussing drink driving very shortly and how people basically got behind the wheel of a car 
not knowing they were over the limit or knowing they were over the limit, but it wasn't intentional. You know, get up the next morning, everybody feeling okay, hop into the car to drive, but they are over the limit. Discussing that shortly and a lot of texting on that uh, saying, how many times do people have to be told they can be over the limit in the morning if they drink the night before? Does anyone have common sense anymore? Drink, driving should never mix, says that particular texter. We're discussing that shortly on the show. Calls and comments, welcome. 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 also comments coming in regarding our discussion on hospital waiting lists and more as well on TDs looking for more money for their stay in Dublin we'll get to those shortly C103 Jobs but on today's job spot, we have opportunities for Country Clean, who require a person with knowledge of agricultural machinery to operate an indoor stationary baler. It's a full-time position, and you can contact 087-707-8711. The Donkey Sanctuary requires grooms to join their new arrivals team. Experience is preferred. Applications will close on December the 12th. You can see their website for application forms, and a full-time shop assistance is required for cutties, daybreaking ovens. You must be over 18 and fully flexible with your own transport that would be an advantage they also require a deli assistance more information there at 021-487-7634 you'll find these job details and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 On the roads this morning, by the way, there's a serious car accident. It's on the Crosshaven Road. The road is now closed heading out of Crosshaven. Uh, So if you're in that direction, take note of that Uh, road heading out of Crosshaven towards Cargill Line closed at the moment due to a serious road traffic accident. Now, research from the AA shows that one in eight drivers admit to drink driving in the past 24 months. And as the Christmas party season is underway, many companies and organisations are holding events and a lot of people are concerned about the morning after. Barry, Barry Aldworth from the AA joins me. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? And thanks for joining us this morning. I suppose a lot of people may be surprised at this. I know when I mentioned that people texting in going, surely now at this stage people are aware that if you do go out the night before, there is a threat of you being over the limit the next day. But I presume this is drivers who wore out, got up the next morning, felt fine, thought they were okay to drive, didn't feel like they were over the actual limit, but wore over the limit. Yeah, so what we asked people was if they'd ever gotten behind the wheel in the past two years when they either knew or suspected that they were over the limit. So I think it would encompass all drivers, so it encompasses your people who do the very stupid thing of wandering out of the pub straight into the car, but it does also include those people who maybe did the right thing after their night out and got a taxi home, but then the following morning had somewhere to be and thought, you know, oh, I'm sure I'm okay and then got behind the wheel and maybe halfway through their journey either started to think, mm, maybe I'm not in a position to drive, or were pulled by Gardaí, tested and found that, no, I definitely was over the limit. So it encompasses both kinds of behaviour, and they're both, in a sense, equally dangerous. Obviously, the more alcohol you have in your system, the higher the danger, but it is a timely reminder to people just because you did the smart and responsible thing at half three in the morning doesn't mean by half seven, just because you've gone home, gone to bed, maybe had a coffee, you're suddenly going to be in a position where you can safely drive. 
And were there offenders worse than others as in when we look at the age profile or male to female? Yes, so I think what we saw was this problem is present in all demographics, so regardless of gender, age, rural-urban divide. But there was one concerning outlier. So we looked at age brackets, and what we saw there was that those aged between 17 and 24 were almost double, or were almost twice as likely as the national average to have gotten behind the wheel when they either knew or suspected that they were over the limit. And I think there's, you know, there's obviously a couple of concerns with, uh, within that. First and foremost, it's a very disturbing statistic that 20, almost 25% of those aged between 17 and 24 would take this risk. But it's also quite worrying because that was probably the demographic which have been most exposed to education efforts and messages around the dangers of drink driving. And we probably all kind of started to think drink driving was something that older drivers did. It was something your granddad did or your dad did, but not something that younger drivers did. Unfortunately, what we have seen, and I think it's a product of cuts to guard resources and cuts to guard manpower, this behaviour is being carried out by drivers across the country, across all demographics. So there's no one we can point to and say, you're being good, you're not doing this. And similarly, there's no group we can point and say, you're the only offenders here. We're all guilty of it, regardless of your demographic. So it is, I suppose, again, a timely reminder to people, we're coming into a season where this kind of activity tends to pick up. You tend to see more instances of drink driving on the road. Gardaí will be aware of that and will be policing and will be policing more and upping their efforts to tackle this behaviour. So I think, you know, for the majority of us, it's not something we would ever do. But if you have been involved in this kind of behaviour, maybe now is the time to double check how you're acting when you get behind the wheel. Interesting, again, young drivers coming out in this particular survey. As you mentioned, people do assume that it is the older drivers uh, that are drink driving. But again, this shows it's not and that it's different. And one thing here that could be the case is that people in the morning, if they're living in an area where they have no public transport and they have to get to work and they may be well aware they're over the drink limit, but they're going to chance it and they're going to chance driving to work because they have no other option. Could that be a factor here in that? I think it is a factor. And I mean, again, you know, there is a degree of sympathy that you have for the lack of public transport options in these areas, but that doesn't give you any right to break the law effectively is what you're doing. You can't just say, well, there's no bus that will get me to work, so I'm just going to decide that I'm okay to drive when I'm doing so illegally. If you know that you have to be in work or somewhere else early the following morning after a night out, then you have to do the responsible thing. You have to modify your behaviour on that night out. You have to make the decision either to not drink at all or curtail your drinking to ensure that you are in a position to drive. Now, again, the, the argument around the lack of public transport is, I suppose, a different one for a different day. But the key message is, you know, you, you won't get any sympathy if you are found behind the wheel of the car while over the limit just because, well, there was no bus. That's not an excuse. You knew that before you went in your night out. It's your responsibility to match your behaviour to your situation. Yeah, and it, depending where you are, if, if you're in, for example, a lot of people may be working in the city areas or they could be working in a town and for some reason the night out could be in a city area or in a bigger town nearby. And for that, either 
safer to stay with a friend stay in a hotel or something rather than chancing going home in a taxi and then driving back in in the morning something like that because it's a good point you make there if you are caught the car who's catching you won't have any sympathy because there's no bus in your area it, it is a problem but they're not going to look at it that way uh, something Barry we came across when we discussed this a few weeks ago uh, was people who were on medication and if they drive that the medication and it could be a warning on the pack saying that if you drive and ignore the warnings of this for example taking this medication will make you drowsy uh, taking this medication may push you over a legal limit of something uh, in that situation is that something that, that, that you're hearing of of people who are ignoring the warnings on different types of medication which all come with various different warnings so I think it's something we do come across not to the same extent as drink driving but again if you are on any kind of medication be it prescribed by a doctor or over the counter you do need to follow the instructions that are that come with that so if the medication warns that you know drowsiness is a risk or it could affect your driving in, other, in some other way shape or form you need to be aware of that obviously different people are going to be affected in different ways by medication but you need to watch out for that risk now if a doctor prescribes you something and they explicitly tell you you cannot drive while you are taking this medication don't fall into the trap of thinking ah should they tell everyone that i'll be fine i i know i can drive while i'm on this they are the experts they are giving you good information listen to it if you're taking some kind of medication and you're finding yourself affected and you're wondering, am I okay to drive, double-check with a doctor or your pharmacist. And ultimately, if driving is something you need to do, that you drive for a living or it's your only way of getting to work, discuss it with the doctor. I'm sure they can find some alternative medication for you which may be more suited to your situation. And just back to the drink side of things, again, breathalysers is coming up this morning. People have bought breathalysers, are using them, uh, but they're wondering, are they in line with the official ones the Gardaí use? I suppose for these breathalysers, if people are using them, they give an indication. They might not be 100% accurate, but they're an indication if you are or not over the limit. They'll certainly give an indication, but I think the, the message I would give those people is you shouldn't be looking at this as a you know, how close can I get to the limit and still be okay kind of thing. I mean, we've carried out tests in the past and other organisations have carried out similar tests and they found that alcohol, even when you are under the legal limit, will start to affect your, your driving. So again, you know, those handheld or those personal breathalyzers that you can buy for yourself, they'll, they're somewhat accurate. I don't think you should ever be counting on it fully. But again, just because you're slightly under the limit doesn't mean you're going to be able to drive perfectly. And certainly you shouldn't be playing a game of, I suppose, game is the wrong word to use, but almost taking that chance of, well, how far can I push this? Because everyone's body is going to break alcohol down differently. It's going to take longer to metabolize the alcohol and get it out of your system. So if you know you need to drive morning after or you need to drive home, you shouldn't be thinking, mm, how much can I have before I, before I can't drive? You need to be modifying your behaviour from the start that night. Yeah, and as you mentioned there, people always asking, oh, what if I drink two or three points, will I be over the limit? If I drink one point, will I? It does come to the fact that everybody is different and metabolism can change. You know, I could drink something, you could be over the limit, I might not be. It does depend a lot on your metabolism and, and when you start drinking and food and all of that. One thing that is coming in here, Barry, is transport. We mentioned there about the buses earlier. People feel... 
uh, that they have no choice but to drive the next morning because of the public transport and the way it operates. Uh, here in Cork, one problem that people are having is uh, that buses are either late and even though there's been changes in the city centre with regards to Patrick Street, uh, people are driving on bus lanes, which means the buses are getting delayed and you really, if you're waiting for a bus, you can be late for work because two will come at the same time. Is that just uh, for driver behaviour, the change in cities where bus lanes are becoming a new thing? And because people are driving in a bus lane, they're delaying the bus journey times. I, yeah, I think there's a couple of things in that. So, I mean, first and foremost, we need drivers to behave responsibly. If an area is marked as a bus lane, it is a bus lane. It's not a it's not a bus lane for everyone else. But I'm okay. I'll use it. It's a bus lane for a reason, and that's to allow public transport to function properly. And then in terms of, you know, the, the unreliability of buses, I mean, I spent the first 25 years of my life in Cork. I'm, I'm well aware of the issues public transport faces down there. But again, you know, I think there's no one who uses public transport in rural areas and is surprised that it can be a little bit hit and miss. You know that's a factor. So if you know that I need to get to work in the morning, you have to be responsible for your own behaviour. And if... If you overdo it, that doesn't mean you can jump in your car and say, well, I need to get to work. You'll have to take the responsible action and wait on a bus. And if that means that you're late, you'll have to make your apologies then. But it's, it's about owning your own actions, about being responsible for that. But again, I think in terms of allowing public transport to function correctly, we definitely need drivers to be responsible for their actions. You can't just wander into a bus lane because oh, I'm running late and this guy ahead of me, he, he's stuck at the light, so I'm just going to use the bus lane to get around him. It's there for a reason, and that's to allow public transport to serve the people that it needs to serve. OK, very briefly, Barry, I was mentioning there earlier on what's happening in France and Belgium with regards to diesel prices and the protests going on there regarding fuel. Uh, something our listeners, and I've noticed as well in the last while, is how petrol and diesel prices are very close now, about two or three cents in some petrol stations or diesel stations when it comes to pricing. Is that going to change or is that something we're going to see into the future as more and more governments across the world are moving people away from diesel? Yes, yeah, so it's tough to tell what the future holds for for both prices on both fuels. What we do know is that you know there is a massive effort globally to reduce reliance on diesel cars. For the last two budgets, the government had mooted and discussed the possibility of increasing excise duty on diesel. They haven't, but that doesn't mean that in budgets uh, that in next year's budget or in a subsequent budget they won't decide to take that action. I think ultimately we're going to see. Efforts made to move people away from diesel in the short term, but ultimately we are well aware that we all need to move away from fossil fuels so people are going to, as the technology improves, find themselves moving more towards hybrids or fully electric cars. And I think that's to be welcomed. But in the short term, I do think it's going to be a priority for governments both here and in other countries to reduce the reliance on diesel. And that may mean an increase in excise duty on diesel. It's tough to know. It's been discussed, and I don't think it's ever fully going to come off the table. So it is something for people to watch out for. OK, we'll wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. For the moment, Barry, thank you for joining us. Barry Aldworth there uh, from the AA on the drink driving issue. Uh, Jim saying, I know a guy in the last week who didn't drive until five o'clock the following evening after drinking the night before and he failed the breathalyzer. Surely he was capable of driving safely than the night before. And the Gardaí seem to be testing more in the mornings now than in the evenings, says Jim. Uh, while 
Mary saying, what about speed? I would sooner meet a drunk driver than a speed merchant, says Mary on text to 0862103103. While Sheila is on about regular buses and she said, we were to get regular buses for nighttime where I live. We never did, uh, says Sheila. Let us know, Sheila, where you're texting from because I know Bus Aaron have come out with a list of late night buses, but maybe where you are living doesn't have that. But uh, just let us know where you're from because I know they have added a bus route, but then other towns uh, haven't got a particular bus added to their journey or added to their particular town. And one texter here is saying, if you were driving the following day, no drink, full stop. If you were caught, you have to find a way to work for the other 351 days. Uh, text of WhatsApp or welcome on drink driving the next morning in particular 086 2103 for text or WhatsApps or indeed call Bernie 1850 A lot of talk recently on the current TV series Taken Down on RTE. It airs on Sunday nights. If you're watching it, you'll be aware of the storyline centres around direct provision centres. Well, here in Cork, we have a group who are fundraising to bring Christmas to those direct provision centres. Uh, the next uh, fundraising is going to happen for Joshan Castle uh, near Mill Street. And we'll speak with those fundraisers next. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so you're lo- Stay in touch with what's happening in Cork. C103. Now, fundraising is taking place across Cork to bring Christmas to direct provision centres across the city and county. Akira McDonnell is one of those organising the fundraisers and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Kira. Good morning, JP. Thanks a million for having me on. And thanks for joining me. A lot of people will be aware of these centres in various parts of Cork. Uh, already you've been fundraising for a number of them, Glanthorn, the most recent. Have you got access to the provision centres and inside the actual centre? Yeah, I have. Um, I've been in. I, um, I'm a journalist and I uh, met some lovely ladies from the Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre during the summer and that's how I've got involved. And I've been in there and I've been in their bedrooms and uh, their living situation. Yeah, and just uh, explain what that's like. I mean, a lot of people will be watching the RTE series at the moment taken down. Does that portray what is happening within direct provision centres? Yeah, Obviously, we can't talk exactly what's happening in each one, but no, no, apart from the drama in the actual show, does it give a fair portrayal of, let's say, the absolutely. curfew? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the situation is fairly dire. Uh, the there's a huge like in Kinsale Road. There's almost I think almost three hundred people living there, and that's divided up between moms and kids and a lot of men who left their families behind to travel over with thinking that they'd come here, they'd get granted asylum, and then in a week or two or a month or two, their families could follow over. And now it's years later, and for the men in particular. They're sharing single. Ro- they're sharing rooms with other men from different nationalities and things like that. And then the moms and the kids are in kind of um, very small bedroom uh, bedrooms. They have a bathroom. They have no cooking facilities. There is very little space for children to play. They're, the children play kind of in the corridors between the bedrooms. There is a communal living space, but the men kind of hang out there because they don't they can't hang out in their rooms so the women may not feel comfortable kind of uh, being in in the communal spaces so the women and children tend to hang around in the rooms on the corridors Okay, yeah, and there's a lot of issues around that isn't there I suppose an uncomfortable feeling living in something like that and in well, a place like that for so long um, the, 
someone described to me last week as um, a, a typical Irish village condensed into a really, really small space, and that's a great way of um, of describing it. Like the people there are all really happy and grateful to be there, but there's lots of different nationalities, lots of different religions, lots of different um, cultural ways of being that it's very hard to express in such a small space with so many different people. Yeah, and, and the people in direct provision, I mean, they get some type of weekly allowance, don't they, from the state? Yeah. They get um, they get twenty one euro sixty. Now that's going up in um, in with the budget, but uh, like if you have a child, you get twenty one euro sixty per child per week. And anyone who has small children will know. I mean, that will barely cover the cost of nappies or wipes, or not to mention formula and all those little treats that you know you have to go to the shop yeah. to get your kids every day. So it's very very difficult for them to be in. Any way financially independent. And do they like, get anything from the state for their children? As in, I know there's meals and stuff provided. Anything they, like no, that provided? They no? get meals. They um they get a small back to school allowance that will um contribute towards books and uh and uniforms. But again, it doesn't near cover what they need. So like I know uh, there's some ladies who will have saved up all um their money to purchase a rice cooker uh, from the likes of deals so that they can make something in their room. Like there's no imagine there's no cooking facilities, there's mm. no family meal times, there's curfews. It's it's a, it's not a nice way to live at all. And the children then, they're in education a lot of them want to move on when they get to secondary on to third right. level. We've heard then over the last, only the last few months from uh, Trishan Castle in Mill Street uh, of a student who was trying to access a college in Waterford and could not because she was still seeking asylum and then when she was doing a PLC course in McCroom uh, uh, things changed there as well. The rules changed uh, regarding yeah, the PLC. I, yeah, I and the uh, charges are too high. It's it's it, it seems to it changed kind of under the radar. Mm. I'm not completely I, I I'm not completely up to speed on the exact rule change, but I know that there was a rule change with um, third level education that makes it very difficult in the last only in the last six months. Yeah, I cost them now. They're they're considered not to be uh, an Irish citizen, obviously at this stage, and yeah. because of that, basically there's a high cost. It can go into the two, three, yeah. four thousands. I think it was yeah. around four thousand. We looked at one of the cases. Uh, it may not have been the McCroom case. It may have been a case elsewhere in the country, but it was that kind of a costing, which means that they cannot access a third level education. Yeah. Then completely impossible. Overall, the quality of life, so you would say, is poor. I presume, is it? extremely poor and look that's not to say that there aren't great people out there helping out and mm. there are and there's lots of people doing great things but the fact is, is that the quality of life is not good and for children in particular like you have children going to local schools they they've they can't decide they, they've no choice about what they have in their packed lunch for example they have no and um, they're going into school they they have everything that, that they their basic needs are met but that's it you know. And they are making friends in the community. Oh, but, they are, yeah. And they are mingling in the community and everything, but it's just their living conditions is the main problem. That is why well, you are trying to bring Christmas to these direct provision centres. The latest one you're going to is Drishan Castle uh, near Mill Street, and you've been—I okay. know you've been to Glanthorne and Kinsale Road, as you mentioned. Uh, how is this going to work? Are you looking for donations from people to get involved yeah. here? Yeah, basically what we did was we started three weeks ago and we have launched a campaign to give every mother in direct provision a gift voucher for €50 per child so that she can go and do Christmas shopping for her children. Now, 
she may want to go and buy a winter coat. She might, you know, but we want to give ownership back to the moms this Christmas and help them give their kids Christmas presents and, and the Christmas that we all deserve. So uh, we've been running the campaign through GoFundMe fundraisers and we have covered uh, Kinsale Road, Mallow, Lanton, and now we have Deshawn Castle, which has 122 at last count children. Uh, so we are almost there. We need 1,000 more euros donated and then we'll have covered all the children in Deshawn. And uh, I didn't realise we had so many in Cork, but we we have a we number of them. Yeah, three hundred children in direct provision in Cork. And we have Kinsale Road, Glanthorn, Connacilty, Mallow, and Mill Street, Mallow. And, and Mill Street yeah. where, where you were fundraising for this yeah. one. Uh, and you can go on the GoFundMe and uh, donate there. And what kind of what are you do- donating to these people? Then what kind of items are are you bringing to the, those? We are areas? giving them a, a one for all voucher or a Smith voucher because. So they can spend what they want, want then, yeah. go yeah. and get what they want. Yeah, exactly. And that is making a difference for them then at Christmas. And well, it is. Yeah. And look, the thing is, is that the, we've met all these amazing mothers because uh, we're moms, so it has been, it's just been great because there, there's the commonality of parenthood no matter where you're from. And the thing that we've realised is that there's a there's a problem with access to accommodation centres across the country. They have gates, they have uh, security mm. guards. So lots of people from Cork have contacted us to say, I've actually gone up to my local accommodation centre and I can't get in, I don't know how to help. And there's kind of a, a physical community divide because of that barrier at the entrance. So what we're hoping is to open the community barriers here because everybody wants to, to mingle and everyone wants to be friends. We just want to find a way to facilitate that. And since you've started raising funds for this uh, and the TV show has come on RTE, yeah. have you noticed that since the launch of that TV show that more people have got involved? Has it got people absolutely. talking about them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, it, I mean, it's in people's faces now. They're sitting down on a Sunday to watch something and they people have, have definitely an idea of what was going on but mm. this has really taken down as being a, a fantastic vehicle for people to to really get an insight into what it's like. Yeah, it does. And I think it's something that in years to come, it could be uh, 20, 30 years, something that uh, could be one of the scandals in some of those centres in years to well, come of like, what happened. I mean, for me, I have two boys and I don't want them coming to me in 30 years' time and going, why did you say nothing? Why did you pretend this wasn't happening? You know, I, I want them to know that we welcome people into this country and that we, we want to make it a, a lovely place for them to live. Like, I'm from Dublin and I'm going to live in Cork until I die and I've had such a warm welcome since I arrived that I want people who are arriving to Cork from any country in the world to have the same welcome. Okay, well, well done on that, and we'll see um, over the next course of a few years what will happen with those provision centres. I mean, yeah. they still are welcoming people into this country and placing them in centres like this. So we'll see what happens. And as you say, I think that TV show is giving people an insight to what goes on there. We'll put a link uh, to your GoFundMe on our Twitter feed as well for the moment, Kira. Thank you for joining us this morning and, and bringing an insight so much, to what's JP. happening. Thank Thanks you. Take care, uh, Kira McDonald. There, one of those organising the fundraising uh, in those direct provision centres. We'll uh, put a link to that on our. 
our Facebook and Twitter feed later this afternoon if you want to get involved and just shows an insight to what life is like in those direct provision centres and a good few of them in the Cork area. We have Kinsale Road, we also have Glanthorne, Clonakilty, Mallow and Mill Street as well. Uh, Mill Street I think one of the more known ones uh, over the last number of years. 1850-333-103 Lines open, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 uh, We're going to continue discussing self-harm with our regular councillor on the show Joe Heffernan after midday. Also we have got a good few calls and we are going to discuss this after midday as well on bus drivers and also people doing shopping in various towns trying to support local and then they're getting a ticket from a traffic warden. One bus driver is telling us his story. He wasn't even parked. He just stopped to let people off a bus. And he- this is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103.
Chicken Stevens. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's C103 on a Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Uh, just a lot of comments in on various issues we were discussing this morning. And we'll get to those shortly. Just to remind you, Joe Heffernan is joining us shortly on the programme. Just after 12.30, we'll continue to discuss the topic of self-harm. And also for people who are parking and trying to shop local in their own local towns we're going to hear a story of a bus driver who was trying to do his bit bringing people into the town of Mallow uh, but didn't really work out for him when it came to well trying to avoid the traffic warden and getting the ticket we'll hear his story in the next 10 minutes here on C103 but just getting back to your calls and comments first of all this was our chat with Michelle Murphy from Social Justice Ireland we were speaking about how GDP is looking good for Ireland everything is on the up it looks so on paper anyhow but still that that is the case why do we have so many problems when it comes to health services waiting lists are increasing when we have people who cannot afford their own homes who cannot get access to their homes or even owning a home, uh, paying rent, can't get the money together to own a home. And then we have the situation with broadband. We discussed those earlier on the show and the difference having those would make to society because, uh, for example, if we had broadband in an area of the country, uh, for example, pick a town, we had it in Mala, in Oskibreen at the Ludgate Centre is providing employment there and providing people to work from home or to work from Ludgate. But if we had it in, uh, for example, a town of Mallow or Fumoy or whatever, you may then, if you had proper speeds, increase the amount of people working in that particular area. It would take the pressure off the cities. Uh, and that's where things could work out for example as well for hospitals change the way hospitals are run you might change the way that we are dealing with waiting lists in our health sector well Frank Frank even is in Kinsale and looking at the health system Frank is saying when we closed three A&E departments in Cork hospitals where then were the sick people supposed to go CUH and the Mercy are packed and we are spending a fortune on agency workers says Frank so when we should be employing our own people we are not and now we have more cathology coming from the HSE yesterday where workers can say dear or love to patients so what is going on within the HSE says Frank in Kinsale and on the issue we spoke about regarding ministers who were looking for more money because they must stay in Dublin during the dull term and while they stay in Dublin during the dull term uh, they feel it's unfair that backbench TDs outside of Dublin are entitled to claim between 25 and 34,000 in unvouched travel and accommodation expenses and they cannot even though they are on big salaries uh, they'd be well able I'm sure to psych up the extra money they are staying for in Dublin uh, while uh, while staying in hotels or B&Bs but they want allowances for that like the other TDs they don't have that as a minister if they get paid more money than a lot of those TDs and in fairness everybody working uh, there is on a, a good enough salary uh, and you can check that out yourself online to find out what salary your local TD is on it's good uh, but James Brewery is saying the problem here is at government level one in five of TDs are landlords they are not going to legislate against themselves there is not any word of any of them uh, coming from them about rising rents broadband etc in rural Ireland James Fields and now we hear the ministers are looking to help to pay their hotel bills and looking for help for this while here we have a lady homeless in North Cork says James on 1850 John saying those ministers just can't get enough they're all greedy hope we get a new party before the 
the next election, says John. And Mary in North Cork says, do the TDs realise we are their employers? They are messing the whole country up. The hospitals, housing, broadband, it's all falling apart. It's pitiful. Mary fears for her grandchildren. We don't know where this country is heading. She feels guilty because she says we, the people living these days who were able to vote, we voted these people into power. And now we have ministers asking for money to pay their hotel bills. And we have a lady who can't put a roof over her head for Christmas. Speaking on your show earlier this morning, uh, says Mary in North Cork to 1850-333-103. And dealing with the issue of drink driving and uh, the one in eight people who we heard about from the AA earlier, uh, AA Insurance that is, who have admitted to drink driving the next morning, getting into their car, knowing they've been out the night before, feeling okay but knowing they are over the limit and one to eight have admitted in that uh, and I mentioned the fact that public transport is an issue and we mentioned that we heard from people who uh, feel that while they try and use a bus for work they feel two come along instead of one they're delayed and they can see then people driving in bus lanes which is infuriating them knowing it's causing a delay to bus routes across wherever they are living and the majority of this in urban areas uh, Pat's in Glenville he says the bus lanes are only from 7.30 to 9.30am and 4.30 to 6.30pm in Cork City people do not understand this they could be using the bus lane on the western road during off-peak hours uh, says Pat in Glenville well what's worse is people are parking their cars in the bus lanes also so during the peak hours when a bus is trying to use the lane they have to stop and then pull out into the traffic on the main roadway lane and then try and get back into the bus lane again uh, many people are just parking their cars in bus lanes and abandoning the car and going doing whatever they're doing and Tom on that to do with drink driving says there is no thought about people living in the countryside in rural areas the Gardaí can stop you in the morning but who then is checking those who are living in rural areas uh, says Tom no thought about us we have no buses etc uh, says Tom on 1850 103 I spoke there earlier with Kira, who is fundraising for the direct provision centres right across uh, Cork City and County and the latest they're collecting for is Drishan Castle uh, near Mill Street and a few texts in on that um, first text right here is saying sorry JP but we have 10,000 Irish people homeless in this country children as well they don't even get 20 euro or social welfare if they have no address is this woman for real helping the non-nationals because of helping the non-nationals but not our own send them all home says this particular texter while another texter is saying beautiful children in Drishan but the living conditions are not good which is a pity and a few more people in saying I have met the people living in Drishan they're lovely people it's a pity it's so far outside the town uh, but they are lovely people trying to make way says Elizabeth they're on text to 0862103103 so mixed views there regarding those living in direct provision and your views welcome on that those people are trying to help them in those particular areas while some people have a different view on those who come here and avail of not avail of are put into direct provision 1850-333-103 lines open text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 shortly going to hear um, about those who are trying to shop local shopping in towns uh, but are getting caught when it comes to parking The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie 
Chef Frank Moynihan will give a cookery demonstration Tastes of Christmas in aid of the Cope Foundation. That's going ahead this evening in the Bida Hall in Inneskeen. It starts there at 8 o'clock. Tickets are 10 euros with a cheese and wine reception. And there'll be bingo in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway that's this evening at 8.30pm in aid of local charities. The Cork Arc Cancer Support House, they're holding a talk by breast care nurse Margaret Burke and that's going ahead tomorrow Wednesday from 10.30 to 1pm in the Innesmore Retreat Centre in the city. Places are free of charge but limited and to book your place contact Fiona at 021 427 and there'll be a coffee morning in Carignafoy Community College that's on tomorrow Wednesday from 11.15am to 1pm in aid of Marymount Hospice and a mince pie coffee morning is taking place with a raffle and it's going to be held in rehab care in Bantry and that's on tomorrow Wednesday from 10.30am to 12.30pm and Eileen in the city listening to the show this morning is hearing about the crisis we are having in home and health and all of that. She feels it's about time we close down our borders. We can't take any more people in. She has never seen such homelessness here in Ireland with Irish people being affected. The country can't hold any more people, uh, says Eileen. And Mary Inrath Moran on this is in response to our conversation on direct provision and the great group of people who are fundraising to bring Christmas uh, to the direct provision centres. A lot of people have got in touch with them and I suppose with us as well recently about direct provision because of the Taken Down TV show on RTE and mixed views this morning. Some people know those living there and say they're lovely people and lovely children and then other people are against these particular centres and as I've I heard from comments earlier that these people should be now sent home, that we can't cope with them here in Ireland. We can't help our own who are homeless, not to mind others coming in. And Mary Inrath Moore says, what about the landlords who are making huge profits uh, accommodating the non-nationals? They are making a fortune, so they should be contributing to their Christmas appeal also uh, to those who are fundraising for that, says Mary Inrath Moore. 1850-333-103 lines open. Uh, Simon on Twitter on a different topic totally. This is to do with road conditions uh, Simon saying this particular pothole reappears every few weeks in Bandon. All Bandon roads looked like this minefield recently and in the last few years. Should we stop paying our road tax and local property tax in Bandon as it's getting a joke now at this stage and this pothole uh, I have a picture not too sure where the pothole is. I could be wrong. It does look like as you're uh, coming down from the Deer Park area of Bandon onto Upper Castle Road or Upper Omani Avenue but I could be wrong with that but that looks like where at the particular pothole is anyway uh, and it is large and it can cause problems for many and you're right I know the flood relief works are going on at the moment in Bandon and the, uh, the promise is that when they are completed then the surfacing road surfacing will be uh, taking place in the entire area of the town area anyhow but if I'm right with this particular pothole Simon it looks like it's a bit up outside the town uh, heading towards the golf club in Bandon that junction there with Deer Park anyhow uh, thank you for your tweet Simon on that we'll look into that for you 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 speaking of driving and discussing Christmas earlier a lot of people trying to shop local uh, John joined me on the common line he was really trying to encourage people to shop local he was bringing a gang of people to shop in Mallow good afternoon to you John Hello, uh, John Paul. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning and raising this particular issue. First of all, you drive a minibus and is that you have the, the local link contract for the area Correct. around Whitechurch? 
Correct. So last Friday, you picked up your regular group of people uh, and you're telling us they're elderly people. They were going to do going to shopping, I presume, Christmas shopping or whatever. You were going to bring them to Mallow. So you did. You arrived to Mallow. And I presume for them, it's a great day out to, to head on the bus and, and go to a local town somewhere. Well, it's the only outlet they have, uh, John Paul. I mean, they're elderly, and I mean elderly. Every one of them that I had on my bus were over 80 years of age. Some were after having triple bypasses. Others had other operations. And uh, every one of them had a walking stick and some uh, Zimmer frames. So they look forward to this. This is a big day out. Absolutely. Now, yeah. it isn't for the amount of shopping that they do, mm. but it's an outlet for them. They may only have a cup of coffee between them and a chat, and they're there for a couple of hours, and they're picked up again after and returned to their homes. Yeah, and if some are living alone, it's a good outlet to go out, uh, talk Absolutely. to people, mingle, you know, catch up on the local news from the area, that type of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were bringing them to Mallow, all the shop local and all of that. You brought them from Whitechurch uh, to Mallow, and you were obviously trying to find parking, I presume, John, near enough well, one of the shops or shopping centre? Yeah, well, they like to go to Dunn stores. And, you know, as you know, Dunn stores, they are in the, the top of Ryan Street, um, they can't get into it from up the street because, you know, the steps where the steps are yeah. down. So they have to go through the arch. And they asked me to try to bring them as close as possible to the arch where they can walk in. But um, it is um, just one second, uh, John Paul. Um, and it's a very tight it, area in that, in that tight, particular road anyway. But so as I pulled in there near the pedestrian crossing, there was already a truck unloading in front of me. And... Um, uh, I, I just jumped out of the uh, the, um, the bus and opened the side door and put out. I you know they even can't get down off it without I putting a set of steps uh, up against the side door for them to get down. And as one of the ladies, the lady with the Zimmer frame, was standing on the top of the steps, this uh, traffic warden came up. He said, "Move, move, move out of there." I said, "Can you just give me two minutes?" He said, "I'm giving you a ticket. I'm giving you a ticket." I said, "Can't you just give me two minutes?" I said, can you not see? I said that they're disabled people, and with I'll be gone in two minutes. He said, "I'm giving you a ticket." He said, "And that's it." He said, and he proceeded to give me a ticket. And did he hand you a ticket there and then? No, no. I, I mean, I don't know what the procedure is, but I mean, I when when I left the ladies off, I jumped into my bus and I drove off. Mm. But oh yeah, oh yeah, I said to him, I said, "I'm taking photographs of the people getting off the bus." Now I said, because I said, if you give me a ticket, I said. I'm going to contest it. He said, take all the photos you want. I think he's the, the most arrogant, ignorant... But j- j- just just on the actual place you were parked, were you parked above, there's a pedestrian crossing there near the yeah, archway? I was, you... I, was near, I was near the pedestrian crossing. And where was the truck? Was the truck behind it, you or in front of you? No, it was in front of me. And is there any loading bay there or anything? No. No, nothing. So you, you were you had to really park on the side of the road. It is a very Absolutely. tight spot there. It is uh, but for spot. an occasion like that, you know, you do see buses putting up there, stopping yeah. and then going off again to let people out because there's no direct way down, as you say, uh, for elderly people who can't manage steps. Uh, yeah. So I'm not too sure, do you get a ticket in, in Mallow or do they just uh, take your reg number and post it out to you? Some areas and some towns do that where you get it in the post well, and, and you could I, yet get it in the post. Yeah, that's what I was expecting, that I will get it in the post, you know, but... Um, I mean, the guy, he was totally unreasonable. And I mean, if that's what the traders in Mala are up against, I can understand their frustration, you know, because those, those women, they were so upset over it. They said, we won't go back to Mallow again. And how many people did you bring in the gang? Uh, there was about eight. So Around that's eight. eight shoppers that would have been spending yes. money in Mallow that now don't feel like coming back to Mallow Absolutely. spending money. Exactly. 
and it's going to affect business as you say of course it is and how long in general for them to get off the bus and for you there would you say two or three minutes two minutes I'd say would have been the the max and that wouldn't have caused any problems in that particular area for the two minutes you feel none whatsoever traffic was still able to flow by while you were stopped Sorry? Traffic was still able to flow past you while oh, you were yes. stopped. Oh, yes. I was, in, I was in against... You know, there's bollards mm-hmm. there on the... On the I on do, the, yeah. Those, um, what are they? Uh, chrome bollards or whatever they are there on the left-hand side. I was right in against them. So, I mean, there was no, nothing stopping traffic from going up or down. And for the, those in the bus, as you mentioned, it probably was upsetting seeing this guy kind of giving out to you or whatever. But at the same yeah. time, it wasn't pleasant for them because this is their day out. So Absolutely. they didn't want to encounter that either. Uh, sure. So are you going to wait and see if you will get a ticket? That's what I'll, uh, that's what I'll do now is wait and see if and when I get a ticket. And I will then contest it because I, I thought it was totally unreasonable. And for you as a, as a local link driver and, and in general a, a person who drives buses over the years I'm sure you would have done this type of thing and brought people from different areas to different towns to shop I mean you're in White Church very very close to the city on the edge now you could say uh-huh. of the city of the north side of Cork City I mean you could have easily taken them into Blackpool parked oh, up absolutely. there you'd have free parking for so many hours and they could have strolled sure. around inside Indeed indeed but the thing is like I wasn't parking even, uh, John Paul. Yeah, well, you I, weren't parking. You were left, but you I, would have I, had that option in Blackpool where you ab- could have parked. Exactly. Correct, yes. Correct, yeah. But I, you see, I dropped them and give them a couple of hours and come back again and collect them after, you know, so that there was no problem about parking or the bus being there for any length of time. But this guy was so unreasonable, I thought it was totally... And where know. did you go, John? Well, you see, I do a school run in... I do a school run in, in Blarney. Mm. So when I drop them, I go back and I do my school run and then I go back and collect them after. Oh, okay. So you don't actually park at all. You, you go back to your bits and come exactly. back. Okay. Correct. All right. Well, it's a word of warning, I suppose, to other bus drivers who may be bringing people into Mallow when they are parking. And there will be, a, I have seen buses do this. As you mentioned, I have seen buses parked up there before. I know we had an occasion where a bus driver was caught, but he was parked outside the courthouse for a good few minutes mm-hmm. and he tried to appeal his fine when he got that but it is common to see buses stopping there and, and letting visitors off or tourists off uh, depending on what time of year it is John let us know how you get on if you do get the fine in the post uh, and if you do indeed, contest it to see what happens and a word sure. of warning to all bus drivers out there just to be careful in any town uh, if you are just even stopping for a few minutes because I presume that they can do this they're seeing it as illegal parking so they obviously can do that for the moment John uh, thanks for joining us a word of warning there uh, from John on, on the common line 1850 Maybe you have come across this. Uh, you know, a lot of people here on text saying, How come there can be lorries who are parked there delivering to the nearby shops? Are they getting parking tickets also for double parking? And maybe they have. You see, we're not too sure. Uh, this is John's experience of being parked up there with a bus unless they're within a loading bay if those particular uh, big lorries you describe them as are in a loading bay well then they're entitled to be in that particular loading bay if they're on the side of the street then they could have got tickets themselves over the years and then you know I know some truck drivers who who have got tickets for that particular issue and it would be the company then whoever they're working for would be responsible to pay for that because maybe the loading bay was full anyhow uh, maybe you've been in that situation let us know have you appealed your fine 
Did you win that particular appeal? Uh, a word of warning though, if you're like John and a bus driver, 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of gigs next year in Cork, live the marquee. We've got Toto, David Gray, uh, the Coronas as well, playing of course in uh, Irish Independent Park. And so is this guy, George Ezra. So a lot of big names in Cork next year. Uh, this is his latest shotgun at C103. You're mentioning one up in there with that particular bus driver in Mallow uh, last Friday. A few people on text. First of all, uh, one text was saying fair play to those ladies for not going back to Mallow, while John in Clonakilty says, if you pulled the bus over in Killarney, you wouldn't be shifted. The traffic wardens in Cork would want to live in Kerry for a while, says John in Clonakilty. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. I was at a wedding recently in Killarney and we were heading out for the next day. There's always a next day now after the uh, day of the wedding and we were going to Kiel, so there's a bus collecting us in Killarney and around the cinema area there, he stopped for about 30 seconds to a minute it wasn't a busy time during the day I think there was actually a traffic warden in the area at the time uh, a bush no, nothing happened and we got on the bus and the bus went off and, and that was it and there was no warnings or anything and it was only for a minute or two as would have been for that particular bus driver in Mallow uh, anyway uh, a lot of people saying that uh, the traffic wardens in Cork in general uh, could look at other counties and realise uh, that we're uh, not all in a rush as they seem to think we are uh, says Magella as well on text 0862 103. Uh, you can call Bernie 1850-333-103 on the way. Uh, continuing our discussion uh, discussion even with Joe Heffernan and this was following on from last week we were speaking about self-harm and we were giving advice to parents on self-harm because this was a call that came into us earlier on in the week about the issue of self-harming. We'll discuss that and continue our discussion with Joe Heffernan next. And Joe Heffernan joins us as usual on a Tuesday. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, JP. Now, last week, and this was a call we got from a mother asking about her daughter as self-harming. We were discussing last week why a person would self-harm and the underlying feelings in this situation and this week we're moving to the parents and what we got a lot of calls from last week was parents looking for advice on how to deal with this and really Joe asking why their children would do this to themselves and that was the big question we were getting from parents after the show last week Yeah, well um, young people um, I I would have spoken with a a good few uh, young people um, uh, who were engaging in in self-harm and um, the first thing to say, like, is that it is not uh, a suicide attempt. But let's see what young people w- would say. Okay, they've been feeling desperate about a problem. They don't know where to turn for help. Uh, they feel trapped and helpless, and peculiarly, to most of us, just thinking about it. It doesn't um, uh, seem logical, but the self-injury helps them to feel more in control. Um, Other young people might talk of feelings that they're angry and that there's a lot of stuff bottled up inside and that um, self-injury, they feel, helps them to relieve the tension that they feel. Now, another aspect can be like feelings of guilt or shame brought about by any real or perceived uh, situation and the self-harm can start to be a way of punishing oneself. I, 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 I remember one person saying to me, um, it's a long time ago, but uh, it kind of 
it it stands out for me in my memory was um, uh, it's a way of letting the badness out. You see, the 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 young person had a very poor uh, self-image, and um, this was a way to to quote the person of letting the badness out. Um, and uh, we'll say if a young person has been bullied or has suffered a trauma of some sort um, that that is overwhelming their um, their capacity to cope with it. Um, uh, sometimes a person can feel sort of uh, numb or out of it or um, uh, feeling kind of a, a, a deadness. And this... Um, the self-injury is a way of feeling more connected and, and alive. Now, to most parents, um, that may... The, the the obvious inclination would be to say, but sure, that's not helping. But you see, as parents, like, we need to listen because what might seem bizarre or what might seem not to be making any sense, any logical sense... Um, uh, we we need to listen, um, and we need to understand um, that, uh, like a broken relationship, a boyfriend or a girlfriend gone, uh, a, a relationship broken up, um, this can be huge um, for a teenager, and um, it doesn't. It would be completely counterproductive to say. Something like you're yeah, sure you know there's there's lots more people guys or girls um to kind of to understand what you're trying to do all the time is get them to talk about their feelings and if they start talking about their feelings, everyone is on the right track yeah because they're, right they're expressing themselves then and their what's inside is basically coming out of your words rather than using another method yes, yes, to find um a better way of dealing with what's inside, indeed. And um, not to minimise their concerns um, and to stay calm. Uh, Like um, a hysterical type reaction um, uh, wouldn't help at all. And uh, the person is feeling a lot of sort of tension and maybe self-loathing. So to kind of... um, to guilt trip them with, um, look what this is doing to your mum, or look what this is doing to your dad, or this is upsetting your siblings. No, that wouldn't help at all because the person is feeling bad enough about themselves without without adding to it, you know? It could make the situation worse. Oh, it could indeed make the situation worse. Or even in a situation, you described a good one there about the breakup. If you are 16, 17, girlfriend or boyfriend, and you do break up and someone comes around and goes, well, you know, you're, you're, you're young. You'll have a lot of these over the next few years. That can add to it as well because you can actually make the person feel worse about themselves knowing that this is going to either happen another three or four times down the road or that they're not taking it seriously and just feel like it's a teenage clip and you move on from it. Because they need, for them, as you mentioned, it is one of the biggest things for that time in their lives. Oh, absolutely. I remember it well myself. I, I might have been about 16 and there was this song on the radio and, you know, I was quite tearful. I was madly in love and... um you know, look, I'm I'm not criticising them. They were great parents. They put up with an awful lot. 
uh, from yours truly. But um, uh, like they didn't understand it. They, they, they thought it was, you know, kind of, um, you're know, here's your man, like, you know, uh, uh, and, and it would have been minimised. No. Yeah, and for parents in that situation, Joe, or in, in we've just mentioned the relationship one there, but there's various situations that could lead to this. Uh, are there signs? Are there risk factors uh, for parents to watch out for? I mean, are there various personalities from youngsters that are at more risk than others? Yeah, like um, uh, if you notice that a, um, a normally chatty uh, young person uh, has gone quite silent, uh, if, um, if, if, as would be very, uh, a real step in the right direction, if a young person said that they were being bullied at school, um, a thing I notice with girls especially is that if they feel excluded, that um, there was a great little gang of them there in the national, and now in second year in the secondary, um that those same friends seem to be ganging up with other girls and that they seem to feel and they seem to see that they are being excluded, kind of left out. All friends are gone. I mean, most of us aren't... Most of us don't want to feel that all friends um, have uh, have gone. Um, so uh, that kind of... Uh, if, 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 if luckily enough that they're sharing... A bit like that. But, like, uh, if they're not, well, then to see the signs. For example, if a person was always fairly open about heading off for a shower, we'll say, um, and, you know, would throw off the top and uh, head on to the shower, uh, that kind of... And if that's no longer happening, if there's a sort of secretive thing about that... um, if a person would have gone, we'll say now to the, yeah, just the thinking off the top of my head, uh, say at the swimming pool, and suddenly, um, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm fed up with the swimming. I don't, it could be because there are signs that they don't want to see. No, I'm not saying that everyone who says they can't be bothered going swimming anymore is, um, is self-harming. But that kind of a change, a change in behaviour, a change in personality... Um, uh, these would be things to look out for. Does that mean that every teenager that goes silent is self-harming? Not at all. But apparently, the percentages um, from all the research that I would have read are very high, amazingly high. I mean, uh, one thing I read not too terribly long ago would have suggested that 10% of young people engage with self-harm in some way at, at some time. Um, I found that um, uh, figure to be very high. Very high, Joe, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, but um, it is a phenomenon that happens. And, um, like, the to, to kind of to lose the head and be saying, this has to stop, is not the way to go. Um, it might be the... It, with concern and love... It might be the way one would react, but it's good to know that that's not the way to react because that won't help um, uh, telling someone that you love them and that you'll be with them and that whatever troubles that they're uh, encountering, that you will be as helpful as possible. Um, Definitely to attend the GP because um, 
you know, actual, ordinary, straightforward physical harm can cause more physical harm than the person intended. Um, a little wound uh, can become infected or if a person um, was engaged with uh, cutting, um, they might just go a bit deeper than they intended and uh, and that could be um, uh, very serious. Um, but, but not to automatically see it as this is a suicide attempt. It's not. It's actually a coping mechanism. The person is trying to learn how to, is trying to cope with living, not with dying. So th- th- that would probably help a parent big time to know, like, this is not um, a suicide attempt. And discussing the issues we are today with the, the signs to look out for, to be understanding for parents that they can, you know, to, to talk to them, to get, express their feelings for their child or, or their guardian, whoever they're, they're looking up to or looking down to. And depending on the situation, though, parents will still maybe want help outside of this. Where, as a parent, can you go to for professional help if you need to speak to someone? I mean, it's great if you have somebody that has been there and done that. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's not always the case in this situation. No, um, like one of the resources now would be um, www.parentline.ie or just um, Google the word Parentline. Um, But that's the official website, www.parentline.ie. There's um, www.reachout.com. Uh, th- these are now kind of bo- going both ways about helping the young person or helping a parent. There's www.jigsaw.ie. Um, there's, of course, uh, as we all know, there's AWARE, 1890-303-302. There's BodyWise, 1890-200-244. And um, for a young person, there's um, Childline, one eight hundred sixty six sixty six. 66. The the best about the modern world, although at times we criticise, um, you know, the screens and the Google and the all the stuff, is that I mean there is good advice um, uh, and a listening ear available in mo- in most uh, situations now. But the first protocol, without doubt at all, at all, would be the um, the GP, and then if you find. You see, another thing that people forget about um, at times um, is that a parent needs to look after him or herself because it's like the... uh, the, It could be a domino uh, effect if the parent gets too stressed out and then falls ill and the entire family are are stressing out. It's no help to the person who is in the situation of self-harming. Those numbers you mentioned there, Joe, we have those on file. If anybody wants contact details, give us a call. We have them here for you. For the moment, Joe, as always, good advice at this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. And and maybe to go into the iacp.ie website, uh, on the front page, you'll see Find a Counsellor. And geographically, you can put in North Cork or West Cork. And, you, and you'll get the information and, there. And you'll, okay. you'll, you'll get phone numbers of people locally. Okay, Joe, maybe. we have to go. We're going to news, yeah. at, going to news at one. Now, that's it. Back with you tomorrow uh, from 10 a.m. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.